Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. You don't eat a sandwich in front of a Premier League manager, prawn or otherwise. Mark Clattenburg's uncertain start on Gladiators. Ex-Sky Sports Titans on Silent Witness. The most unfathomable turn of co-commentary phrase in recent memory. Can you place wide the death of the double swoop? And data meets vibes as we take a voyage into the very precise midpoint of Premier League talent. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone, welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for some midweek miscellany are the distinctly non-average Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And David Walker, how are things? Yeah, very good. Excellent stuff. Right, before we get into our latest themed 11, let's do a bit of adjudication panelling. First up, this came from Joseph Clift. This is Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder fuming over refereeing in defeat to Crystal Palace on Tuesday night. And if that's what we're going to have to deal with between now and the end of the season, we're going to have to deal with, but I'm not just going to go, go under under the radar and not say anything. I've been to see the referee, I've told him that. Um, one of his assistant assistants was eating a sandwich at the time. I thought that was a complete lack of respect. Uh, hopefully he enjoyed his sandwich while he was talking to a Premier League manager. Are you going to follow it up with, with Howard Webb or expect anything to change? I mean, there are obvious appeals to this clip, Charlie, but my favourite bit is the follow-up question, which implies that he might go and complain about the sandwich. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the thought I had, yeah. That the uh, yeah Howard Webb will be very interested to hear about the sandwich, I would have thought. What an odd thing to say, Dave. I mean, managers say all sorts of things in the heat of the moment after a game, but what, what a weird thing to be annoyed by. Like, it's a bit... What's wrong with it? 
Is, is it disrespectful? I don't think it is. And it was only the assistant. It's not like the referee was standing in, standing in his face, eating a sandwich. Like really demonstrably going, yeah, go on, mate, with his mouth full. <laughs> Fine, mate. Expect everyone to stand up as he comes into the room or whatever. Yeah. It's, it is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, for, for such a sort of salt-of-the-earth bloke, it's quite, do you know who I am? Yes. The, the implications were like, I hope, you know, while talking to a Premier League manager. Really weird. I mean, he is involved in Premier League football. It's not like it's the first time he's ever come across one. You're barely a Premier League manager, mate. Let's face it. Well, yeah. Premier League assistants have had more, more appearances in yeah. the Premier League than you have, pal. Oh, <laughs> imagine hearing that through a mouthful of sandwich. <laughs> you tipped him right over the edge. But it is the sort of thing I can... I, I feel I can empathise with the assistant in this situation. I feel like I've been in a situation before where you are eating and then someone kind of glares at you and you're like, should I Should I not be... Is that not the etiquette? But there's sort of no rule again. Like, I kind of need to eat. Is this not Okay. And then I'd feel really bad and probably put it away. It's it's a little bit, Dave, like that scene in Partridge where he walks into the travel tavern and says, morning to Ben. He says, all right, what? <laughs> it is an interesting insight into the, the dietary habits of Premier League assistant referees, though. I wouldn't have thought they'd be straight off the pitch getting the sandwiches out. And they need to refuel, though. They need you something, eat, don't they? You can eat whatever you like after a game. That, I mean, that That's... That's what I've gleaned from the long reads about nutrition in the on The Athletic is that you can eat whatever you fucking like after you've been running around for 90 minutes up and down the line or not. Next up, resisted this, but now it's time to tackle it. Mark Clattenberg is the new John Anderson on Gladiators. Mixed reviews for this man's on-screen persona. Let's hear Mark Clattenberg in action on the now BBC Saturday Light Entertainment show Gladiators. That is a game. You cannot hit before I start the game. Do you understand? And Viper turns his back on the referee. That's a yellow card in itself. But the crowd wants to see red. Are you all good? Yep. Yep. He will not do it again, I'm sure, or we will disqualify him. What's wrong with Mark Clattenburg's voice? His, I was going to say, his voice sounds a bit like, you know, there was this thing last week about Eric Dyer moving to Germany <laughs> and, and slightly talking in that way that people do when they're in a foreign country, which I think has been slightly exaggerated because of how Dyer talks anyway. But mm. it sounds like Clattenburg's doing something similar. It's like he's What's he affecting for? something, but he's not sure exactly what it is. He's, he's trying to evoke John Anderson, right? The, the OG, the original Gladiators referee, who was Scottish. By what, adding a bit more gravitas? I don't know. I mean... Voice. You can't see the clip, but if you've seen the show, you'll know what we're talking about. Like, he's very stiff as well. Really rigid. Really <laughs> odd. <laughs> he's sort of tensed up. Yeah. I think the only explanation I can think of, and, and the, the kind of dire adjacent explanation isn't a million miles away, is I think he's just going for full authority without any other character or personality whatsoever. He's just, he's just like almost, almost robotic. But then you have to obviously factor in that he obviously he's not a natural on screen either, I guess. Most of us mere mortals aren't, but... I just find it really odd. I think one thing about about Clattenburg is that you kind of get why they've gone for him, but it's a bit Route One. They didn't they didn't need to get an actual referee. It's it's not like he's done the the Gladiators refereeing course. Just get someone who's good on the screen. Just get a big charismatic person. Is John Anderson still around? I was going to say, and what were John Anderson's credentials? It's a good point. I don't know whether he was a ref or not. He was definitely a. Like a PE teacher or something? He was a sporting official of some sort. His Wikipedia page lists him in in brackets as TV personality, but he was um, athletics. He was an athletics coach. Right, okay. A decorated one as well. 
That kind of makes sense. You can imagine him barking at his, uh, at his students, bringing their hard yards. Yeah, but other, there are other observations about Clattenburg. Mr. Bailey writes in and says, Clattenburg keeps incorrectly emphasising the word whistle on gladiators, um, which I feel like is a fundamental thing to get wrong if you're trying to fill John Anderson boots. Yeah, uh, that's his trademark. Yeah, he's banged to rights here, Dave. Absolutely banged to rights. It should be, you will go on my first, my first whistle. whistle. Yeah, you will go on my, my second, second whistle. whistle. This is an age-old problem, Charlie, where entertainment clashes with football. Do you get a football person to come on and be an entertainer, or do you get an entertainer with a little bit of knowledge of football and come on and do the job better? Who do you pick? Yeah, I mean, John Anderson maybe is the sweet spot. He seems to have had a sporting background, but also... Clearly proved was... his credentials as an entertainer first. And then yeah. thought, well, he's got a bit of background as well. So who could they have gone for? I think they should have got Wolf. Yeah. From the original Gladiators. Gladiators made him the ref. Yeah. Oh, right. A little bit WWE kind of narrative twisting there. But that's essentially what it is, though, isn't it? Um, by the way, the new Wolf, Viper, is rubbish. Just completely one-dimensional. You need to have that's more who... about you if you could be the villain. That's who Klatz was disciplining yeah. before wasn't it yeah yeah just just snarling that's all he's got need to up your game i think across the board it is it is a pale imitation of the of the of the og while we're on gladiators there's something i noticed we're listening and we've had a few people get in touch about about guy mowbray and his commentary mm. now, i don't think he's done a bad job i think mm-hmm. it's obviously it's a, it's a little bit of a fish out of water sort of experience for him unless i'm mistaken i think he's obviously recording this after they probably film all the episodes in one go and he just goes in and records the commentary over the top. I don't think he's sitting there in a booth doing it live because it doesn't sound like it's he's reacting live. It does sound to me like he's sat down and he's watch, He's like doing off-tube commentary. He's watching the video over the top and commentating. And there's one bit in particular that he does, which is the muscle memory is kind of there for like a football match. When the gladiators are about to come on and he's kind of doing like a tail of the tape thing, he sort of has to say a few little words about them, some sort of facts and stuff before they before they walk out on stage it's very similar but crucially a little bit different in tone to when he's reading the teams out at the start of a match diamond is our tallest female gladiator and those long arms give her a huge reach advantage ideal for propelling a pugil stick at her opponent with incredible force See what I mean? It's kind of, it's sort of similar as if he's like running through some stats or, or some team news. But it's oh, just it's like, a bit pitched like on up match of the day, just as the teams are coming out. Yeah, so yeah, his third exactly. appearance of the season after yeah. a long-term knee injury. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Michael Elise returns to the side, but it's just, he's, but, it, but it's just, it's a step removed from that. It's, he, he's, he's not quite as natural. He's sort of trying to give it a bit more, and I think if he was just a bit, more, if he was just a bit more football-y, it'd be better. I think he's doing a better job than Klatz. In summary, we'll give it some time. Uh, I mean, I'm enjoying watching it so far. Right, let's have a surprise for my sins corner. I'm going to throw it in early in the adjudication panel. I'm going to play you a clip from popular culture. Someone is going to utter the eternal words for my sins. You're going to have to jump in and tell me when it's going to happen. Alan. Welcome to Pointless. It's good Hi, to have you with us. Tell us all about yourself. Alan. Yeah, I'm Alan. I'm now retired. Um, I used to do ceramic wall and floor tiling. Did it for about 51 years. How many tiles do you reckon in that time you put up? <laughs> what do you reckon? A few. Oh, I should think hundreds of thousands? Yeah, probably. A lot of grouting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. What do you fill your time with these days, Alan? Um, 
play a bit of golf for my sins for my sins and watch a bit of sports support Southampton Football Club for my sins classic wow I can see why we both went both like fire engines going to the wrong fire there Um, (laughs) sad to see Uh, right of course uh, we enjoyed the work of AFCON breakout commentator Robbie Nock a very very enthusiastic man that's a high ball over the top it's there it's there it's in the back of the net AFCON heading into its deep into its knockout stages now, and he's in his element, absolutely loving it. Tenth AFCON, he's done. But um, Archie O'Reilly has got in touch, Dave, with a revelation. Well, not really a revelation. It was there in plain sight. Robbie Nock is an actor as well. He's got an IMDb page. Right. He has wow. had more than cameo roles in The Pink Panther, alongside Steve Martin, Grace of Monaco, and The Transporter Refueled. <laughs> and... He was in FIFA flop United Passions. Oh, wow. I wonder who he played. Do we know who he played in the, in the United Passions film? Uh, an English reporter, it says. Okay, right, okay. So he, plays, he basically has super cameos where they're kind of unnamed but, but sort of expositional figures that move things along. And uh, so he, he, t- he tends to play kind of news reporters in period dramas and things like that. But fascinating stuff. What a niche Char- to, to have carved out for yourself. I know. Good to be able to diversify your offering as... Uh, I imagine. But Charlie, I found his um, acting CV. Um, speaks four languages, English, French, Italian and Welsh. So that's good. But he also offers um, some ancillary skills, dance styles, break dance, vocal types, bass, additional skills, acrobatics <laughs> and uh, musical skills, drums, percussion. Incredible. What a guy. It's very versatile. I mean, I guess the world of commentary, in a way, yeah, that commentary acting world, it's no surprise that there's a bit of overlap there. Yeah, a lot of principles, a lot of overlap. Yeah. Preparing your lines or not, as the case may be. I, I just Googled uh, him and one of his first entries is um, <clears throat> from the Rugby Forum, Worst Commentator. Oh. And a post says, so true, Robbie Nock is the most irritating, uninformed commentator around. His constant umming and ahhing is intolerable. Well, you know, you've won our hearts, Robbie, so don't worry yeah. about rugby. Yeah, don't worry about rugby, mate. You're AFCON for us now. Great stuff. Good to see a commentator on the rise, but there's another one whose star is falling. It's time for Footballers' Names in Things. This came from Heman Chaffe. And, uh, you know, I knew he'd left Sky Sports, but I didn't know things were this bad over on the world feed. This is from Silent Witness. Was he on a social care register? Was he on benefits, pension? All on my list to check. Housing Association doesn't wonder why rent's not being paid. Utility companies can't cut them off. They're all busy working from home. None of his neighbours noticed. He just fell into a black hole of nothingness. Does anyone care if Martin Tyler even existed? (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be the most deliberate pointed one yet. That's a huge name to be using. Does he actually say Tyler there? I can reveal it's actually Martin Pyler. Pyler, yeah. Because I... It, it sounded like it was Pyler, but that's a... I mean, still, that's a nod, isn't it? Clearly. Well, the name is uttered a couple more times, uh, a couple of times before that. And it's very clear that it's Pyler and his name's even written on the post. But he says it really clearly as Tyler and everyone was like, whoa, and they sent it in. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Second time around. Absolutely true. So yeah, poor old Martin Tyler. The it's black hole of nothingness. <laughs> Come on. He's on the well feed. I don't know. Alan Smith's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. Right. Speaking of co-commentators, this came from Mark EFC, who was watching what I presume was a moody feed of Fulham nil, Everton nil on Tuesday night. And uh, Tony Gale was on co-commentary duty and said this when Raul Jimenez 
missed a presentable opportunity. In comes the shot. Deflection. Tarkovsky off the line. That's got to be in the back of the net. I'm sorry. Centre forward should be burying those. There he goes. Goes for the old teapot finish. Tries to smash it down on the volley. Nah, you've got to be finishing them. Do you know what? Charlie, I'd be willing to accept teapot finish as some sort of personal affectation of Tony Gale. It's just something that he says. But he's got, he says he's gone for the old teapot finish. So, yeah. okay, let's explain yourself. What is it? Right, okay, because I'm thinking, yeah, I've, I've never heard that. Well, uh, he tries but, to explain it, doesn't he? He said, you know, the old teapot oh, finish tried to down. smash it down into the ground. Oh, is that what it is? Like a smashing a teapot? Or is it the pouring out? Is it the motion <laughs> of the tea kind of gushing down? And is that what you're doing? You're smashing the ball in that direction. As he said, he's got to smash it down into the ground. So his body he's is... slicing across it as well. So his arms are out. I don't know. Is he suggesting it? he's got to bang it down and then it bounces up? Oh, like a... T- is it... Um, Is he saying his body shape's like a teapot? That's though? what I thought. So he's, he's, he's hitting it almost like a goalkeeper doing one of those side volleys. Yeah. That's the kind of body shape we're talking about. So like arm out. Arm yeah. out. The leg is the spout and the arm's the handle. But... The body, the body shape can't be significant enough to call it a teapot finish. There must be more. To, it must <laughs> the be the trajectory. Of the, the old te- It must be the ball going down and up. But why would that make any sense? So is it what coming? Is it the ball bounces back up like a spout of a teapot, like curvy, curving outward? That's what I was wondering. I don't I've, know I've what Googled this means. It and I'm now just get, I'm now going to get served loads of ads for football teapots, which I really don't want. But that's all I'm getting. There doesn't seem to be any. Absolutely no idea. This is one of the pu- most puzzling things. The old teapot. <laughs> the old knocking teapot. around his dressing rooms in the a eight, Classic 80s. teapot finish. Oh, he's gone for the old teapot. Enough about the old teapot finish. No idea. Right, that brings us to the end of the first half. We'll be back very shortly. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Football Clichés. The adjudication panel is closed for the episode. It's now time for us to select our Premier League median 11. I've I've chosen my words very carefully here, Charlie. The word average, or by extension, bang average, has quite negative connotations. And negative is not what we're going for here, nor positive. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. This is not 
calling anyone out. We're, you know, all of these players are exceptionally good, obviously. But it, yeah, it's trying to drill down into, yeah, the kind of median point of, of Premier League players, which is rich is hard to do. And obviously, yeah, we're relying a, a fair amount on vibes, but with some data in there. Vibes and data go together very, very well. And this is the place for it, I think. This is all inspired, Dave, by a tweet I received quite a while ago from Vincent Adultman, who says, in the NFL, there is the idea of the Andy Dalton scale. If you're better than him, you're considered good. And if you're worse, you're bad. Who would the Premier League equivalent be? The ultimate mid player. And I thought, well, we might as well expand this into a team, this concept. Um, do you think it will transfer well over to football? It won't be a direct translation because of the nature of NFL. Andy Dalton's a quarterback. So there's only one quarterback on the field at any one time for any team, right? There's only one of them. Even though teams will have multiple quarterbacks, there's only one in that position. So we're choosing from defenders and midfielders and forwards. There's kind of different types of midfields, different types of defenders. It might get a bit tricky, but it's, a, it's an interesting experiment for sure. It's a delicate balancing act, Charlie, but I know we can do it. And I think it's interesting to find in 2020, 23-24, what is the midpoint of Premier League talent? Like, these players aren't getting away with it. They're not frauds. They are, and they're not coasting either. They are just, they find themselves, by design or otherwise, smack bang in the middle of the Premier League food chain. Once we've got this 11, would we be expecting this 11 to be a mid-table team? Surely. Um, I mean, they might, you might have a lot of good chemistry there. They might, they might be greater than the sum of their parts by accident. But you would hope that this team finish 11th because I've because because looking we'll, we'll go into it I, I've kind of picked a, a, a vibes 11 if you will without looking at any data just looking at squads just picking names that, that sort of strike me as being who we're looking for and I think the fact that every team or most of the teams in the Premier League with the exception of the, of the properly elite ones will have a clutch of these players but they'll also have some better players so once you put all the mid players together it they become less than the sum of their parts in a way, I think. Charlie, in your research for this, would you say there are certain positions in a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 that lend themselves better to this concept? Possibly. Possibly fullbacks is I thought you the obvious fullbacks. one. Yeah. That, that's always the one, isn't it? I mean, but goalkeepers is an interesting one and that gets to something in this debate. It depends. It almost depends if you're talking about players, if you include players who aren't playing at all. And that's where the data might get slightly skewed because obviously if you're not playing you're not really racking up any sort of metrics or... So we want regulars here, do we? I think so, because otherwise... So with goalkeepers, for instance, I was thinking about this straight away, obviously. And do you go for one of the mid-table team's goalkeepers or do you go for one of the worst team's goalkeepers trusting that, well, if they're starting, then they're probably around the top 20. And if we're excluding third-choice keepers, does that mean they're kind of roughly in that middle point? So for instance, Matt Turner, I would say is probably is the Forest goalkeeper, is probably one of the worst starting goalkeepers but does that place him towards the middle because he's presumably better than quite a few number twos no he's he's the worst keeper in the league demonstrably so he's the worst starting keeper but presumably he's better than Burnley's number two Sheffield United's number two Everton's number two Luton's uh, yeah, number two yeah. etc I mean I'm sort of using that as an example to get rid of someone like him because I think that's a lot less interesting yeah yeah Start. But, it has to be starters it has to be people that are playing regularly we, otherwise you yeah would be I, I agree 
Yeah. I agree. I think we just remove that so that we that, that isn't something that can be levelled at us. Now, we have some basic to intermediate data to call upon here, Charlie, but when it comes to the vibe-based approach, what kind of player are we looking at? Are we looking for steady eddies or, or can you allow yo-yo players, essentially, players who have great moments and then sort of terrible moments and anonymous moments and therefore, on average, they sit somewhere in the middle? Are those players eligible? I suppose they are, in theory. Yeah, I, I guess maybe you want a mixture. I mean, I was thinking about this someone like Adama Traore and maybe not yeah. now because he's a bit more peripheral but there was probably a point where his ceiling was incredibly high but his floor was also very very low you, you'd you never th- well maybe you would I don't think you'd think of him as like a medium average player because you'd think he's so he's more hot and cold but his 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 average level probably was somewhere in the middle mm. Mm. You know, because he could produce those amazing performances and those terrible ones. It's going to be tricky to incorporate those players, I think. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's much more. It's much harder. It, the yeah. names that jump out at you, also because we're all we all have our own biases, and clearly, sort of bland, boring English names scream more kind of medium in the middle type players. That was a trap I nearly fell into. I and uh, we'll see how we fare, but. Um, Final thing on this, this is not an unprecedented study. A friend of the show, Duncan Alexander, uh, did something similar to this for the 2021-22 Totally Football Yearbook, where he tried to find the most average player in the Premier League. And he used the word average um, for his sins. He rounded down, for, he, he basically narrowed it down as far as he could until he got down to one player. He started with what he deemed to be the mid-table teams, teams that weren't fighting relegation or fighting for European places. So that left seven teams. Then he narrowed those seven teams worth of players down to people who hadn't scored or assisted in significant numbers, nobody who'd won or lost significantly more games than they had lost or won, Uh, no youngsters, no veterans, because they have different agendas. They're, they're, they're different narratives. Players who had played a sig- more than enough games to qualify, or that sort of thing. And he came up with a player who played 28 times, had scored one goal from an XG of 1.63, assisted twice from an XA of 2.57, won 11 games, lost nine, had a dual success rate of 47%, and his name was Kiernan Dewsbury Hall. So he was the most average player, according to Duncan Alexander in 21-22. I feel like he might be too young. Got a bit too much potential. Yeah, quite well thought of, wasn't he? Although I guess you're not you're not talking about how good he will become. You're just talking about where he is at that point. If someone's at medium level, when they're that young with a bit more experience, they'll go up and up and up. Right, let's get started. Let's pick this team or try and pick it as much as we can. Um, the final note comes from listener Adam Reek before we start. He says, isn't that just every Crystal Palace lineup from the last 10 years minus Wilfred Zaha? <laughs> very possibly, very possibly. We're going to do current season only though. Just to be clear, this is the 2023-24 midpoint Premier League 11. Let's kick off with our goalkeepers. My pick for this, Charlie, was Wayne Hennessy. I think he's too bad. I mean, who's who's Hennessy? Who's he play for now? Is he like? I mean, that's like a good Palace? question. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's Crystal he, Palace. You no, know, you know he's at Forest. Oh fuck! Really? Yeah. Jesus. He actually left Palace three years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if he, he's not getting in, so Matt Turner's keeping him out of the team, who we agreed was too bad himself. That's fine. I mean. If Matt Turner is better than Wayne Hennessy, then Wayne Hennessy is, is firmly in the bottom half of the Premier League's goalkeepers. Yeah, he's, That's fine. he's too bad. Dan of the Royals, says Charlie, Lucas Fabianski is the midpoint goalkeeper. I have no reasoning. He just is. I did 
consider Fabianski, but I always think of him as a really good shot stopper. Quite, he has heroic moments, doesn't he? I think Fabianski is quite a good shout, though he's but he's lost his place this season, hasn't he? To Ariola, um, yeah. To Ariola, yeah. Not that that necessarily. If we think that Ariola's good, so he's so Fabianski's around. He he is a good shot stopper, but he's vulnerable to crosses. I think. Uh, I, I think he he is around the midpoint. I've gone for Martin Dubravka. Oh, I do like Martin Dubravka. I do like Martin. Obviously, Dubravka. in the team at the moment because Pope's injured. He's had these moments where he's been hailed as like a kind of seen as a good signing when he first turned he up at Newcastle when he first turned up yeah. he was producing mm. insane Game United, but then he went to Man United played for went to Man United for a yeah. bit on loan didn't he and then yeah. now he's now he's kind of if, if he has to play like no one's no one's like, oh, shit, Dubravka's in goal today. That's the Loris Carius role who's on the bench <laughs> now. So yeah, I think, yeah, I, cause I, I, I and I think he's, but he, he is better than the likes of, of Turner, Hennessy, maybe yeah. some of the other keepers down the, down the bottom end of the table. Yeah, if he, if he rocked up anywhere, as you say, Dave, the fan base would be like, I'm all right with it. Being a backup at a, a established big six club, Charlie, is, is good credentials for this. It, it, it's a good counterweight, isn't it, for whatever comes next. And he's essentially now the backup at one of the upstarts in the big six, yeah. which draws him more towards the middle as well. And if he if he were to leave Newcastle to seek regular first team football, who's he going to sign for? Probably Fulham. A mid table, yeah. But and even there, he wouldn't. I mean, Bert Leno. Who I was thinking was someone like Bert Leno? But Bert Leno feels a bit too good. But that's where I th- that's why I think you you do sort of need to think about the number twos or at least the number twos who are going to be playing a bit of football you know not not the kind of complete filler characters at some of these clubs I'm really happy with Dubravka Dubravka's good yeah I think Dubravka because if you go bigger than that sort of bigger best team number two well for a start a few of them have quite good ones I mean Fraser Forster is the Spurs number two and he's maybe a similar level to Dubravka he has notable mares though doesn't he and he, he, this is the yo-yo-ness yeah, we were talking about. He's got obvious flaws. Like he can't really play out with his feet. I don't know if Dubravka can, to be honest. Way but, past his best as well, I think. And past his best, yeah. yeah but that night at the new camp was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Dubravka is 35 as well. but Oh, that's fine. Nothing for a, for goalkeeper. a goalkeeper. They pick so late, don't they? <laughs> probably, probably average age. Okay, Dubravka's in goal. No question. I'm happy with this. Right, let's go to our back four. Dave, here's my back four for you. Matt Doherty at right back. He was in my short list of right backs. <laughs> Centre-back pairing of Chris Meppham and Matthias Zanka Jorgensen. And left back Vitali Mikolenko, who I feel very strongly about at left back, actually, I have to say. I've got left back Ait Nori from Wolves. Centre-back partnership of Ben Mee and... Uh, of Brentford and Palace's Joachim Anderson. And then right back, this is the one I was struggling with. I'm not that happy with it really, but I, in the end, plumped for Vladimir Kufal, Sufal of West Ham. Kenny Tete, right back, the Fulham defender who... Very good one-on-one. Is he? But yeah. I, but you don't, like, their other fullback, um, Robinson, you hear a lot about and is apparently very good. Kenny Tete, I've, I don't think I've ever heard anything. Robinson has magic skills as well. And he's also got a, he's nicknamed Jedi. None of these lend themselves to being midpointy Premier League players. Exactly. Yeah. So he. So he's. So yeah. Not him. Max Ahrens was another one I mm, thought who did just, consider. Yeah. He's sort of been knocking around. We, we we got to be careful not to fall into a Bournemouth trap today, haven't we, Charlie? Yeah, we do. I mean, though Bournemouth, though I feel like Wolves uh, seem to be the kind of starting point, and and with that in mind, Craig Dawson. Um, though maybe again, he's had a bit too much of a goal threat. Yeah, he does. He does <laughs> score. <laughs> I like but that. Then, but, but then I think Anderson does. I think Anderson's too good and is also a bit of a goal. You know, he scored. Anderson is good. The winner at Old Trafford. 
Anderson, um, Anderson is conceivably or could have conceivably been over the last couple of years like a Spurs signing so easily. Yeah. Um, Where I, another, I had Rob Holding, uh, another Palace centre-back, who's obviously lower level, but just seems so like... I just kind feel of, like he's I know, on, I know he, he barely on, plays for Palace, so he's maybe too bad. He, I feel like he's on a Carl Jenkinson trajectory. Rob Possibly. Holding. Yeah. And then, yeah, Mikolenko was, was my left-back... Um, oh, good. Mitchell, the, the Palace um, yes. left back. But I thought maybe he's too good and has too much promise. Okay. Um, let's, let's delve into some, I don't know, pseudo data for this, Dave. Um, if you were to look at the current prices of players on FPL and went to the median point of that, your back four would be Emil Kraft, Nayef Eged, Jakub Kivior and Harry Toffolo. They feel very middly. <laughs> Toffolo <laughs> and... Toffolo and Mikolenko are really battling out for the left-back spot in this team. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Aguirre's all right, isn't he? But I, and Kivior doesn't really get in the Arsenal team. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, those, a couple of those are just because they don't play at all. FPL is a, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at for this, but it does, it does have some inherent flaws for our purposes in that it, it values certain players because of their attributes and their popularity within the game higher than others okay which will, which will be more of a problem when you get to like midfielders and strikers like there'll be like there'll be really good midfielders who are like quite cheap in F- fpl because they don't get any points so we want something we want a metric that's slightly less volatile and 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 resistant to external factors like being in demand so how about this i'm going to go over to the who scored rating which is based on many different metrics and their back four, Charlie, is Esri Concert at right back, Kurt Zuma and Nathan Collins at centre back, and left back Tyrick Mitchell. There's that man again. So Th- those are quite good. I mean, going back to the original question of if you're better than, then you're good. If you're worse than, I do think some of those I can sort of see. That. I mean, Nathan Collins is twenty million pound defender. I like Collins. Zuma's star has fallen. Not just about the cat thing. <laughs> <laughs> and as a as a new cat owner, I, I don't even feel biased here either. Um, but but Zuma does feel like he is falling towards the midpoint of the Premier. League. I don't think it, I don't think it's controversial. He's sleepwalking to towards the midpoint, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like this. But if we were going to go for even purer metric, how about this? How about FIFA ratings, which is not something I've ever deigned to pay attention to before, Dave? Here's the back four according to the FIFA ratings: Mads Ruslev at right back. Centre-back pairing of Chris Meppham, Jan-Paul Van Hecker and Harry Toffolo. Toffolo <laughs> again. Left-back. Okay. Toffolo is our left-back. I just, think, I just feel he's, he's not good enough. But right, um, OK. The uh, data says otherwise. <laughs> Chris Meppham I like at centre-back, Charlie. Yeah, partly because I know next to nothing about him. Right, here's some names from our listeners. Uh, Ewan Cotter says Michael Keane at centre-back. Didn't make the grade at Manchester United. Went down then up with Burnley. Since 2017 has been at Everton, always there plodding along. When he was picked for England, I never felt any emotion. <laughs> I mean, that's that's as good a reason as any. I do like that though, the starting high, going low, and then finding your yeah, level kind of in the middle. Yeah, that's good. Sort of natural progression without sort of being too conspicuous. Joe Clark says Tim Ream is a very modern incarnation of this concept. Whenever I see him on the pitch, it's just a sense of, oh yeah, that guy would be one of the circa 250 players in the Premier League at this moment in time. <laughs> Tim Ream's really tidy though. I like Tim Ream. Yeah, really tidy. Like he's not a commanding centre-back, which certainly works against him and would push him towards the middle, but he's, he's very dependable. He's Mr. Fulham-ish to an extent. Well, well, on that, I did think Calvin Bassey as well, who often plays centre-back with him, just seems okay. Not good, not bad. I'm sure Elizabeth Barnard is screaming as she listens to this or this Fulham too, slander but too young Calvin Bassey how, how old is he he's, he's 24. 24 play for Ajax 
Yeah, but that doesn't... <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are coming from famed academies and what have you. Okay, let's, let's, nail, let's nail this now. We've got Harry Toffolo at left back. The data says it, the vibes say it. Chris Meppham, I'm happy with. We have to have a bit of Bournemouth in there. Right back, I'm flicking between Dave Shout for Vladimir Kufal and Charlie's Max Ahrens. Yeah, and Kufal feels like he's... Yeah, I don't know. But Max Ahrens is another Bournemouth player. It's fine. Former England under 21, which helps. Right, no more Bournemouth. No more Bournemouth. Okay, that's a good deal. We had a w- weird weird um, flurry of people writing in with fullbacks with their full names. Uh, Charlie Adam Foxcroft said Benjamin Thomas Davis. And Jack Pierce said Joel Edward Philip Ward. Joel Ward! Is he past his peak? I think so. And his peak would have been midpoint. That's the problem. Yeah, we need exactly. Another, yeah, we need a centre-back here. Ben Mee? Ben Mee... I mean, he's sort of past his... But he's also, you know, he did like... He was a player manager, wasn't he, for a bit? For uh, an interim basis. 34. I mean, purely on level, he could be. I don't know if there, is there another Rurse left, but he's a, he's a fullback, isn't he? I, I, I did I'm like, still <laughs> offering you Matthias Zanka Jorgensen. Played at a World Cup. I saw Zanka earlier and wondered about him because he doesn't really... He hasn't played much for them this season, has he? Dawson as well does... Craig Dawson does feel quite um, true to the original question in that... He is, if someone was worse than him, I'd be like, oh, he can't be great. If they're a better player, oh, if he's better than... Like, Dawson's just so solid, isn't he? And it's quite rare. There aren't that many, you know, I, I don't think of him as particularly good with his feet or anything like that, but he just... It, like, if you if your team's playing Wolves, I think you kind of think, oh, he's quite good. Like, he could... He's, he's one who could have a day today where he just heads everything out and is annoyingly quite good. Or you've got someone who's quick and tricky and they make him look quite bad okay this might seal it this came from Wenger Brawl he says Craig Dawson is the archetypal good lad post-match interview with Shrevesy English mid-table centre-back well that basically seals it then. <laughs> yeah and he only ever plays for mid-table teams all beginning with W as well yeah incredible consistency and I feel like his goals have dried up as well so okay we're getting him here to get in instead of Zanka so our back four in front of Martin Dubravka is Max Ahrens, Craig Dawson, Chris Meppham, and Harry Toffolo. Very mid-tabley so far. This isn't a huge surprise. Into midfield we go then. Let's look at the raw data. Dave, FPL says Brian Hill, Thomas Suchek, and Mario Lamina. How were your instant thoughts there? Hill, a bit too good, too spursy. Suchek, again, a bit, bit past his best now, but also capable of... yeah. He's had He'll too many, too many moments. Mm. Yeah, uh, the mean is well. good. The mean is, yeah. good. is really good. Yeah. yeah, I think he's too good. Yeah. Over to who scored, Charlie. The midfield I gleaned from that data was Jake Decore, Josh Brownhill and Ryan Christie. Uh, let's not fall to again the Bournemouth trap. I've got um, Brownhill in my team. Brownhill's, re- Brownhill's really good because like he's it. one of the better players for one of the worst teams. So on a very basic level, that just makes sense. It's a great, it's like a see- the seesaw approach, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's perfectly done. Uh, I like that. So Lamina and Brownhill, very much on our shortlist. Uh, over to the FIFA ratings, which was fast becoming the, uh, the real oracle for this, Dave. In this midfield, Tahith Chong, Vitinho, and Matt Ritchie. I think Matt Ritchie is a superb shout for this 11. Oh, I'm not sure about Ritchie. He's way, way past his best. Like, he, I, I wouldn't have him anywhere near it for me. Chong is interesting. Yeah, I had it in my midfield. I had, I had Brown Hill, as I said, uh, flanked by Harry Wilson and Marcus Tavernier. I've got Marcus Tavernier as Tavernier. mine. In the head. How you pronounce it? If you if you pronounce him too fancily, then he's not in the team. Uh, 
Pablo Fornals, can I just chuck out there? Yeah. Uh, a kind of rotational option for a mid-table team just feels quite in the sweet spot. I don't think any... Like, he's a sort of player yeah, I don't think anyone would especially miss from the Premier League, nor would I have much of a sense of where he would go. Like the, re- I feel like there'd be quite a big range, all sort of fairly medium options. Like, he could go to Saudi, I'd be like, oh yeah, fine, fair enough, or a kind of he middling Italian team. about to leave to, Real, to go to Real Betis, I think. Oh. Real Betis, there you go. Come on, that's perfect. It is perfect. This is good, we're getting there. Uh, other names in my my midfield, uh, I also had Chaco Coyote, and I also had Jack Cork, but Similar I think, to Brown, Brownhill, I think Brownhill edges Cork out, because Cork's got Cork's quite a leader. If we were doing this five years ago, Cork would have been bang on. But again, I think it's just drifted a little bit. I think we definitely need some Fulham in there and West Ham should be represented at some point as well. Well, Fournals could be that person. I think Brentford as well. Saman Godosh, uh, potentially, or if there's another Brentford midfielder. Uh, Fulham... I mean, Willian, he's probably too old. and too but I feel he, He's just good. Too like, Willian's just good. You think he's still good? Um, yeah, you can't ignore his good. history as well. Like, he's fucking great, William. And I still think he's basically still got the same armoury, just can't do it quite as consistently. And But I guess I just, in the sense that he was brilliant at Chelsea, awful at Arsenal, yeah. and is now good at Fulham. Yeah. He's kind of gone down I, and up. I think he's above the midpoint. But personally. he's too he's yeah. too good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What about Andreas Pereira, if we're going down the Fulham oh, route? I do, I do like that. Because you, you can't rule out players who, who have flair and have good set piece delivery and things like that if that's their job but they're still average at it in the nicest possible way i think it's useful how about this charlie from your professional perspective this came from listener sam he says oliver skip is your median midfielder useful squad player for a big club mostly for his homegrown status no obvious flaws no major strengths nobody bigger than spurs would want him be useful for most teams bottom half just a less eye-catching harry winks quite full of me he is it's interesting it's interesting about him we we were having a conversation about skip me and a few of the other guys who cover spurs we're saying if he went where would he go fulham was mentioned palace was mentioned palace are always mentioned for any kind of fringe player of one of the bigger teams which does kind of tell yeah i think he's i think as a regular starter that's probably could he be an heir to to mark noble at west ham is he just too young for this team though and also i think he's an excellent case study charlie for anyone who might start to get annoyed by this saying no look this isn't a bad thing being middle of the class in the premier league is a great place to be professionally so maybe oliver skip is destined for this team but isn't ready for it yet is that fair maybe when he moves he gets in the team Simple. Yeah, I think yeah, I think so because at the moment he is still, you know, he started for Spurs away at United and played very well. So yeah, he's got the potential, but yeah, I do I do think this move will have it'll be it'll have come a, a year or two early for him to our medium 11. You keep going, son. In a couple of years, in a couple of years time, you'll be yeah. in that medium <laughs> 11, don't worry. We've got a good five players to round down to three here. I want a 4-3-3 because strikers are fun. So Mario Lamina for sure. You think so? I don't know. I think Lamina's a bit good. Is he? Yeah, he's had a good season at Wolves. No, but but he say that. Even if he is good, he's good at being Mario Lamina. He what is he? Like he is he's he's sort of an all-rounder like midfielder. He's not like not going to score loads of goals. He's not like massively tough, tough tackling. He's just kind of pretty decent at all of the stuff that you do. He's going to bring of the you park. down on the halfway line as you counterattack. That's what Mario Lamina is going to do. Okay, I'll give you a cho- Charlie. You can have this choice. You can have Mario Lamina or you can have Marcus Tavernier. Who's it going to be? We can't have another Bournemouth. We've, we've said no more Bournemouth. So he's out. He's gone. I, Lamina has been, I would say, one of the best players 
for a mid-table team. You know, he scored four goals, you know, and some big goals in there as well. So I think he's he's just a bit too good. So we can't have another Bournemouth player. We can't have Mario Lamina. God, he's a Mario Lamina's agent, Charlie Eccleshare. So um, uh, who else are we going to have? Uh, I had one on my shortlist. It was I'm an hour between him and Brownhill was Billy Gilmore of Brighton who is kind of kind of what you're talking about, but Oliver Skip started off at a, as a sort of promising player at a big team in Chelsea, didn't work out, eventually left, but now has kind of rebuilt his career. I suppose it's kind of, he's kind of, he's found his level, I suppose, which is, this is kind of what we're looking for. I think you might be right. He's, he is the midpoint in the Premier League at what he does, and which is fast becoming an, you know, an established role in a Premier League team. Charlie, I'm quite happy with Billy Gilmore. Um, he, yeah, we were talking about Skip's career trajectory, perhaps getting him there. Maybe Gilmore is further along that line, um, even if he's not exactly the same sort of player. OK, so here's our midfield. Billy Gilmore, Josh Brownhill and Pablo Fornells, who I thought was an excellent little shout. So that's our midfield three. Up front we go. The forwards are great for this as well, because I think it's easier to pin it down and goalkeepers are boring. So forwards are more fun. FPL, Charlie, says Armando Brogia, Chris Wood. And Neil Mope. Wood and Mope were two on my list. Yeah. Both in good form. Yeah, they are, yeah. I mean, Mope has had periods of like comical, can't score a goal. He's been on a mad run, but has scored a few this season. But yeah, he's just so... He could play for like... He could be a sort of rotational option for any of the bottom half teams. He's so interchangeable. He's a pest. Yeah, um, and, and that's th- why he keeps getting picked and selected, even though he goes on like 20-game barren runs. Like, And that's a very good credential to be in this team isn't it yeah and I think if you're much better than him then you're decent because if you're then either you're you're scoring fairly regularly or you're just a better version of that kind of irritant striker okay over to the who scored ratings Dave wilder selection here perhaps Nicholas Jackson Elijah Adebayo and Miguel Almiron that seems harsh and all of that. I, that must be skewed by people not playing much. Almiron and it's their average rating for when they have played. That's all it is. But it's probably they've probably played loads, so it's probably hard. You know, we can't have a player who scored a hat trick this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in no, this exactly. team, can we? Yeah, Miggy Almiron has has had some stellar moments. He went on a yeah, run of form good. last season. And Nicholas Jackson, I, the jury remains out. I think that's the and kindest thing you can say. Too much pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. Mateta, the uh, Crystal Palace mm. striker, someone who can be a handful, mm. doesn't score very many. I think he's a bit too uh, shit. <laughs> but he plays a fair amount. Bear in mind, a lot of these strikers will basically never play. But I think, go back to the being better or worse than, if you're worse than him, you're not, you're not happy with that, are you? No, and if, I would... you if, if you're better, you've still quite a way to go. And that's, and that's, the, that's the core philosophy behind the Andy Dalton rule in NFL, right? Which I think is probably what the biggest rule we need to stick to. I like it. Let's head over to the FIFA ratings, Charlie. Again, very good here. Ollie McBurney, Kevin Sharder of Brentford and Keen Lewis Potter. We don't have a Brentford player yet, do we? Which I feel like there should be some representation. McBurney's an interesting one because he's, well, he's kind of a championship player, isn't he? I mean, he's uh, in that sort of space of being like a really good championship player, looks a bit out of place in the Premier League because of how he plays and that sort of thing. So that ties back to what we were saying. And, you know, we said there was scope for an extremes kind of player, but he's probably in that bracket of technically really not very good, but one of those who I'm sure a lot of centre backs would tell you privately they hate playing because yeah. he's a he's really physical and a bit of a bully so it's quite mid-tably, maybe maybe yeah it's quite a mid-tably traits to have though isn't it i don't know it's just this is where it's getting tricky right so i've got uh armando broya who i think really does tick the boxes i know he plays for chelsea, chelsea. Our 10th currently exactly 
but and he's played for Southampton. He's kind of it's a bit confusing as to why he's still hanging around at Chelsea. He's I also suppose. being linked with a fifty million pound move this this month, which is, is also not going to, to happen. Just to be clear, no, no, that's just the figure that's been thrown around, which is just complete bullshit. But, but also, haven't wasn't it Wolves who came in for him, which means eleventh place team going for it stroke the 10th place team that that's good credentials if you're talking about a middling player I would say Brozier's not allowed in this team until there is a consensus on how to pronounce his surname because nobody's doing it and I feel like it's not established him enough he needs to move but it's, it's a skip factor again he needs to move maybe but this is incredible he, he's not just Wolves Fulham apparently as well so 10th 11th 12th what a sort of transfer it's Trio, that is. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. And he's been at Southampton, as Dave says, and when he was there, they they were pretty mid-tably that season that he was there. Well, making a very well, good case here. 20, 21-22. And he's got enough about him to be... like His output isn't great, but he, he does have enough about him to sort of keep getting good moves or be wanted by good teams. Yes. He's obviously still I getting in the Chelsea great, yeah. team, like, but he's obviously not elite. And and it's not like he's young, but he's not young in this in a sense like he's tiny and like a whippet, and at the moment he's just raw pace or anything like that. You can basically tell what kind of striker Amanda Brose is going to be in five years' time. You you've got a clear idea, so I think we can make a confident guess that he will be at a certain level for the rest of his career. Like it. Going to stick with it for now. Richie Martin suggested this, Dave, and he was in my front three as well. Jay Rodriguez. Too old, too past it. Yeah, I think Rodriguez I think Rodriguez a few years ago could okay. have been. Likewise, Danny Ings, but I think now they've just fallen off that they are. median spot. Because I think yeah. Bro, I think Broja uh, could be Danny Ings in a Broja. few years. I think he'll be that kind of level. Okay. I can see him getting like 10 Premier League goals for... West Ham or somewhere. Okay, all right. We've had a very good case for. Brody. I had the uh, I had Taiwo Awonyi from Nottingham Forest. Too good. Yeah, I think he's too good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to place him, Charlie, in, term, in, in terms of where he might go next. But he is essentially not scoring goals for fun, but he's got a knack. Yeah, he's, he gets a fair few, and he's yeah not an easy striker to play against. And my other one was not a striker, but he could play on the left of a. Dwight McNeil. Ooh, had a couple of shouts from our listeners for Dwight McNeil. I think he's capable of the spectacular too often. He's got some incredible goals. Yeah, a bit good. Is he though? Yeah. Uh, I think he is quite good. Yeah, I think he's just above the Andy Dalton line in this. My wide men, non-goal scoring forwards, Charlie, were Maxwell Corne and Jordan Ayew. I don't want to imagine a Premier League without Jordan Ayew, do you? <laughs> Jordan Ayew is is an interesting one because again he's someone who's Palace fans really like him who'll go on runs without scoring but then he does pop up with a few now and again and and he does the, the original um, suggestion at the start that it's just every Palace team from the last few years and he's been an absolute mainstay hasn't he I think we should have Brozier and Morpé in the team 100% yeah I'm really happy both of those and then it's one spot remaining. Chris Wood was the original suggestion from FPL, and a few people had it. But I, do you think he's? A, I think he's a little bit too good sometimes. Recency bias creeping in. <laughs> if it would have been a month oh, ago, do you think that's interesting though? Because I, I don't think I, I think maybe he is because I don't think he is that good. I was going to say maybe he's not quite at the level, given that he's he won't start for Forest when um, when everyone's available. So he's basically a kind of super sub for the team that's currently in sixteenth. 
So that means he's but below he's obviously the line. But then he's scoring pedigree. goals. Oh, yeah, he does, you know, he does, he does. But that's what I think. Elev- I think red like that, you'd say he's below being good. But then you know he is quite good. All and right. He's quite effective. He's had, four, right. he's had four Premier League seasons where he scored more than 10 goals. Uh, but yeah. Oh, right. uh, really? Dave Walker, Jordan Ayew or Chris Wood? I would go for Wood over Ayew. Charlie? I'd go Ayew. Deciding vote, Adam. Let me just check how old Jordan Ayew is. Ayew's more in the spirit of just kind of average across the board. And he, I also quite like Ayew. He's 32. Ayew is one of those... A bit. Dirk Cowell was a kind of deluxe version of this. Strikers who don't score enough so reinvent themselves as really hard-working wingers. Yeah, like properly defensive a little bit what I used to, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll put a shift in. And we've got goals from Mope and Breuer in this team anyway. Well, so we need to have... They'll get you eight. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... Right. What a team. What a team. I think we've, I, I, I hesitate to use the phrase nailed it, but I think, I think we've got to the spirit of this. In goal, Martin Dubravka, a back four of Max Ahrens, Craig Dawson, Chris Meppham and Harry Toffolo, a midfield of Billy Gilmore, Josh Brownhill and Pablo Fornells. Up front, Neil Mopé, Armando Broja and Jordan Ayew. Excellent stuff. But who leads this team, Charlie? Who manages this rabble? And I've been waiting to make this point for a while now. I don't think necessarily this manager necessarily fits, but I think the logic behind it is worth discussing. David Moyes. I put it to you that the most frequent bullet point for any Sky Sports News morning discussion slash football podcast since 2021 has been, does David Moyes deserve more credit for the job he's done? I actually think that might be the most five out of 10 football content there has been for the last five or six years. He, in fact, is he the most deserves more respect for the job he's done manager of all time? By sheer longevity, I think. I mean, he's been at West Ham for such a long time, hasn't he? So looking at, I mean, none of these Premier League managers. I'm trying to fit like of the current crop, Marco Silva, might someone make that argument for? Yeah. Because Fulham are so... I like Silva. Yeah. Mid- mid-tably that there's not a lot else often to say so it could be like you know he's stabilised I'm still just I'm still really confused about how am I supposed to feel about David Moyes because West Ham haven't played this midweek so I don't know what my default David Moyes stance is supposed to be based on their last result there's, there's a really weird curious ebb and flow to the Moyes discourse Charlie there's a, there's a counter argument but without the original argument everyone's saying he deserves more respect and there's nobody out there saying we are not giving any respect well West Ham fans are the, are the perfect example for this like they they seemingly flip and flop it kind of gets to midway through the season gets to sort of January when they haven't bought anyone and they're annoyed you know they're sort of up and down and they're like oh, I don't know about Moyes I just I think it might be time he's done a good job but I think it might be time for us to move on in the summer but then as has happened in the last two seasons they think the European glory happens yeah in one way or another and they're like oh actually what a brilliant job he's done and then there's only way one one way to go from there which is to be become doubted again it's absolutely insane situation he finds himself in and uh uh poor old david moyes but he's not our manager i like marco silva for this a lot because i think there's a lot of people out there who think he's quite good but don't know why he's and never also gonna get a top job is he not anymore not his anymore. ceiling and his floor feel very close. So, like, there are some there are some managers who you think like, oh, but yeah, he's a bit wacky with his ideas, but it could it could explode. Whereas Marco Silva, I can't see him exploding anywhere. I think he's, but likewise, I can't see him doing a bad job. But you know, you give him any of the clubs around Fulham in the table, they're finishing. They're finishing about mid-table. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say. To, yeah, this is this. It could be actually perfect. He's never going to get a big six 
job. He's also, I would be quite confident saying he's never going to get relegated from the Premier League again. Right. Um, okay. Marco Silva's our manager. Bit of Fulham. Nice to have that. We have to do stadium. Stadium's really hard. All right, is it? That was the easiest decision of all for me. Who did you go for, Dave? Looking at the capacities, 10th in the Premier League with just over 30,000 is Bramall Lane, about 32,000. That's the middle one. Interesting. Did consider a capacity-based approach, Charlie, but also, you know, just aesthetics alone. Uh, Bramall Lane just doesn't feel new enough. Needs to be a bit more Lego-y. But that's why it's hard. I mean, I'm looking... The Athletic did this very detailed um, sort of stadium rankings of every Premier League club based on, you know, all sorts of different metrics. They had 10th London Stadium and 11th the Etihad. Is it the G-Tech? Um, G-Tech, I like that personally. Yeah, I, I really quirky. like the G-Tech. Yeah. The Amex. Amex. Amex is a good shout. <laughs> yeah. Amex is good. All right, yeah. All right, Nice. Lovely stuff. Really enjoyed this. Not as nebulous a concept as, it, as we first feared. I think, I think we got to re- the real grips of what it must be to be a midpoint median Premier League player. Enjoyed it. Great fun. Thanks to you, Charlie. Thank you. Uh, six out of ten effort from you as well, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. See ya. See ya.